Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We're going to continue in our study of the book of Romans, and we are in that first chapter. Um, We are uh, just starting, obviously, but we are uh, diving into the deep end, and even in the chapters or the verses to come uh, will be some very dicey issues that we will just seek to know what the Lord says. Uh, and then for our lives to get in line with what he has said. Uh, If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you, starting in verse 8, down through verse uh, 17. God's word says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, Uh, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that uh, we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended Uh, to come to you, but thus far uh, have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to foolish, uh, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. God, thank you um, for your word. I ask that you would guide our steps and our hearts through it now, that you would mark us, that we might know and know you better. Um, God, thank you for the sweet gospel that you've given to us, entrusted to us. Help us to love it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So here we are in the book of Romans, and we are talking about uh, the gospel, the good news, the good news of Jesus. And the good news of Jesus is being introduced in this first chapter Um, It will go over and over again, and there are some words, some specific words that we are learning and will be learning in the book of Romans. And so as we look at this, uh, just be looking out for these words. The the one being the gospel, and as we think about it, I want to encourage you that in in this beginning section, he is sharing uh, really a theme, a theme or thesis about what this gospel is, but not um, not just an argument. Uh, it's not just a message. It's the thing that Paul clings to. It's his heart. And I want to encourage you that the gospel is not just uh, something I believe. It's not something that I recited or even learned in Sunday school. It is the very heart of the believer. It is the the thing that keeps us alive. 
It is the thing that gives us life. It is the thing that we cannot live without. And so uh, with that in mind, uh, we head into this passage. In verse 8, we're going to see in this section God's love or the gospel love for people, for people. Paul says this, and I want to encourage you about this. I want you to think about this. This is not a church that Paul uh, speaks very intimately with, meaning that he doesn't know them well, if at all. Uh, This is just a group of believers, a couple of groups of believers, many groups, I don't know how many, in this great city, the city of Rome. And Paul's writing a letter, God's writing a letter to Rome through Paul. And so we, we hear uh, both the heart of God and the heart of Paul. And it's gospel love for people. And it's people that Paul feels connected to, though he probably doesn't know much about them. And I, and I want you to think about that right now. Uh, as you think about different towns and cities, different churches you may know about, you should feel a connection with them, not because you know them, not because you've been there and you know their names and you know what they look like, but you should feel a connection with everyone else that has followed the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're brothers and sisters you've never met. They're people that you haven't shared a meal with, but you'll be sharing eternity with. And so this heart is the heart of Paul. It's the heart of God. It's the gospel love that connects us one to another. Paul says this, and be mindful that this is at the outset of this letter. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He's talking about first things first. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And he's picturing these people that he doesn't know, maybe meeting like this, probably in homes, larger homes, and gathering in neighborhoods. And he says, I thank my God for you. Um, as he talks about this, he, uh, he, he thanks God, but he says this, through Jesus Christ for you all. I want you to get this and see it early, but also see it along the way in the book of Romans. Paul, over and over again, is talking about this idea that because of our sin, our deadness in sin, our inability to do anything apart from Jesus, if there's something good that we are participating in, if there's something good and right that we are doing, it's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. And even as he mentions and talks about him caring and praying and loving them, it's through what God has done. And I want to tell you, it's not because you chose to be a part of Bear Valley Church. It's not because you have um, uh, looked around and said, these are my people. I've decided that these are my people. It's been a work of God that he's brought you together and also that he's brought you together with churches throughout the world, those we know of and those we do not. He says some very important things uh, that he thanks God for and, and his relationship with them. And he says this, um, 
first thing, because of their faith that is proclaimed throughout the whole world. And this is what a gospel testimony does. In a church, uh, people come to faith, and then you have ripple effects of a church as God is faithful through his witness of the church. And what happens is through family, friends, acquaintances, workers, partners, schools, there's this ripple effect. And, and as Paul looked at the Roman church, uh, Rome, an amazing city, but these believers had had impact and had ripple effect throughout the whole world. And this is what Paul uh, was excited about. This is what he was thanking God for, uh, for their faith, for them, but not only them, for the ripple effect that their faith had had throughout the whole world. Um, is pretty amazing. Um, the brewers are here today. One of them's not a brewer anymore. She's still my neighbor. But uh, Bill, it's good to see you. He's living the high life over in Morro Bay, surfing all the time. And but um, I was telling him before the service a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we went. Uh, our, our kids spent some time over in Santa Barbara at the church I grew up at. And Jack Brewer has been going there with his wife, uh, little Jack, uh, little Jack and little Nate. You know, they used to ride skateboards down Plateau. It's a story. Uh, but uh, um, this is the kind of thing that happens. Uh, the gospel does not stay in place. It spreads out. And th- this idea is that that's going to happen to some of you, that you may plan to live here forever, but you're uh, being really trained and equipped that you would go out from here and that the impact of the gospel would go with you uh, wherever you go. And this picture of it going and rippling out, this is what Paul loved about these people that he didn't even know. He heard of their testimony. He heard of what God was doing, even uh, outside of Rome. We look at this and we see uh, what Paul, and I'm just going to breeze through this section. There's much to talk about, but uh, I I want to uh, get to verses 16 and 17. Paul says, uh, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. Without ceasing. The, The picture in his prayers are prayers without ceasing, I like the way it says it. It mentions. Uh, Some of you have a long prayer list. There's a lot of people you want to pray for. I want to encourage you, mention them. Mention them. You don't need to talk about every little detail of their life. You don't even know it. Uh, But mention them in your prayers. His heart was with them. And so he mentioned them in his prayers. He had a heart for this church. Uh, Verse 10, always in my prayers, asking that somehow God... Uh, will that I may know at last succeeding in coming to you, coming to you. I want to I want to highlight this for you. And Paul has said this to other churches. I think in Thessalonica he made a huge point of being with them. Uh, I I realized they didn't have the technology, but Paul said, you know, let's get on a Zoom call together, right? I, I, let's get a Zoom call. I don't really need to visit you. I I, I just Zoom call you, okay? I want to tell you that in the New Testament, there was this important picture of people gathering together face to face, and Paul's desire was not just to send a letter to Rome, but to be with them. And I want to encourage you 
Uh, that that's part of the heart of the gospel. It's not just that you would send a letter, though you should. It's not just that you should FaceTime and call and text and whatever else you can do, you know. Uh, you should do it all, do it all. But this idea that you would want to be with them, be with them. Paul, uh, it was his prayer that he, his desire was to be with them. And why? Why did he want to be with them? Verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He, he said that as he's there, he desires to strengthen them, give them, bless them, uh, most likely for him with teaching, right? That he would strengthen them. I want to encourage you that as you gather with God's people in your mind, you should treat it as a treasure, the time you have together, but also the, the, the idea of how can I help you? How can I strengthen you? How can our time together be uh, important? Because it's not going to last forever. As you think about Paul's life, he was bouncing around in these missionary journeys that he took, and he realized when he came to a town that it was only a matter of time before they threw him out or the authorities threw him out or he got thrown into jail or something. So he realized it's precious. And so his desire in coming to them and being together was important. And he desired to impart to them some spiritual gift. Verse 12, that is, uh, that we would mutually encourage each other's faith, both yours and mine. What happens when we get together should be this, that we're both stronger, that we're both stronger, that we're encouraged uh, to walk faithfully with the Lord. Um, I, I want to encourage you, as you roll into church uh, and hop over the ditch and walk through the barriers and stuff like this, and uh, eventually we'll probably be over there pretty soon. I don't know how soon, but pretty soon. Um, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, why are we together? That we would be encouraged by one another. I, I want to I ask you this question. Uh, when somebody spends time with you, are they encouraged? Are they encouraged? And, and are, are you purposeful in doing that? As you gather together, do you, do you think through, pray up, uh, get, get pumped like a, a football player going into a game? I got some stuff to do. I'm in preparation. Why? I'm going to go visit somebody. I'm going to spend time with them. Why? Because you have a job to do. What is your job? To encourage them. And also to look for encouragement. That's what should happen when believers get together. There should be encouragement. Hey, um, when we get together, let's brag. Let's brag about how smart we are. How much, you know, and play bigger or better. Oh, you think that car you got is nice. Poof. You haven't seen nothing about the one that I got. Like, let me show you. Yeah, you bought that piece of trash, a Ford? Come on. Uh, uh, you know, and, and should it be bigger and better? 
Should it be your life on display for them to feel jealous about? No, it should be our lives coming together that we encourage one another to walk faithfully with the Lord. This is, was Paul's desire. And I, I want to say this again. This is the gospel love in Paul's life and in the lives of these Roman, this Roman church. This is what happens. This is what should happen. Both yours and mine. Verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. That's super encouraging to me. Do you know why? Paul had plans that he couldn't pull off. How many of you have big plans that you, you haven't been able to pull off yet? Uh, and you go, oh, I, I really wanted to, but I haven't been able to. Uh, even in the gospel endeavors, you look at Paul and you look at his life and his ministry and you go, man, that guy, he did stuff. And I want to tell you, he did stuff only according to God's plan. And that sometimes he thought he was going to go do stuff and he didn't get to go do stuff. Why? Because he'd been prevented, uh, that God had other plans for him. And so I want to encourage you, uh, leave your plans kind of up for grabs, hands like this before God. Um, so uh, he wanted to come. And why did he want to come? In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as, uh, as, well as among the rest of the Gentiles. As he thought about coming to Rome, he thought, what a huge city. What a huge city of all kinds of different peoples, Gentiles, and, and thinking through what a, how great it would be for me to partner with that Roman church and go to reach a harvest in the gospel there. His desire for the city, the greatest city in the world at this time, the, probably the biggest city in the world, his desire for the city was this, that more people would come to faith in Jesus. I know... Um, I know who lives in Tehachapi. It's people who didn't want to live in the city. Um, what is your heart for the city, though? What is your desire for the city? Uh, what, what, when you see a bunch of people, what do you look at them? And you, what do you think about them? Their need for the gospel of Jesus. This is what was Paul's changed heart love for uh, this Roman church, this Roman city. And so we see the gospel love for people. And I want to tell you, it is people. It is people. We talked about this a few probably months now back. All people are made in the image and likeness of God. All people. And so as you see them, uh, as you live your life, I want to encourage you to see stuff is down here. Places, geography, things you can do, bucket lists, all that stuff. It's all stuff. And treasure as God has treasured people, souls of men and women made in his image and likeness. This is what we treasure most. Which brings us to number two. Gospel for all people. As you look down at verse 14, this is what it says. Verse 14. For I am under obligation both to Greeks, to barbarians, both to wise and to foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. 
This is the gospel for all people. The gospel for all people. There's distinctions for sure. There's distinctions here in this room. It's not the gospel for those who have a beard. You know who you are. It's obvious who you are. It's obvious. It's not for those who have dark hair or blonde hair or those who have no hair. Uh, There's a distinction. There's distinctions in us for sure. But this is a gospel for all. If, uh, you you know, the, the distinction that we would make today is that all lives matter. All of them. And maybe even better to say all souls matter. Uh, there's because of creation, everyone has a soul and it matters. It matters to God and it mattered to Paul. There is not just one world in the one world government that's coming, but like I'm just saying that uh, there are nations and they're meant to be nations. Meant to be cities and towns and places where people gather, families. Those are all distinctions that have been there, but also uh, intended by God. But when we look at those things, when it comes to the issues of the gospel, there's no distinction because all lives matter, all souls matter to God. As you look at this, he says, I am under obligation. And the word obligation. It's hard to figure out. He says, what is he saying? But if you look back in Paul's life and and where he lived and what he went through, he was a persecutor of the church. He found himself guilty before God. And, And he had a history and a past. But now, because that gospel had touched him, he had a heart for lost people. He had a heart for lost people. And so he felt indebted to them and obligated to go and share this message that had worked for him. He says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. As he spoke of the Greeks in this passage, because of combining it with barbarians, it's those who had come and they had been educated in the Greek way, in in the great intellect. They were educated people. They'd gone to college, right? They had uh, uh, got the degree. They were known as the intellectual trained elite. He says, I'm obligated to go share that with them. When you think of someone who's super educated, look at them and say, I'm obligated to tell you this, that your smarts aren't good enough, that you need Jesus. Um, We've talked about this a lot as a family, but... um, uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara. Dad moved there when he was in his 20s, and mom, my mom lived there her whole life. And there was a, it was always a hard thing to have church in Santa Barbara because people had money, they had education, they had a mild climate where they could go out pretty much all the time. Uh, they had the beach. And so in their math, they didn't need God. They didn't need God because they had it all. And when you talk about the Greeks, the educated, Paul said, I got to go tell them. I got to go tell them. I I, I feel compelled and obligated to tell them that their education, whatever they got, it's not enough. They need Jesus. 
He says, I, I feel obligated to them, but I also feel obligated to the barbarians. And that, bar, that word barbarian is uh, uh, meant to share something. It's the, the idea of someone just kind of uneducated, that grunting or babbling, you know, uh, kind of like construction workers, you know. I just let that sit there with you, okay? They, they want to argue right now, but they know it's true. They're just grunting. Hey, you know, uh, um, people who work, you know, it's, it's the idea of like, uh, you know, run on sentences, perfect grammar, philosophy. We're not really concerned about, can you build a house? Can you build a house? Can you dig a ditch? Can you put up a wall? Can you get the roof on? We're not concerned about that. Well, I want to tell you that Paul said, uh, you know, it's the Greeks that need to know, but it's also the barbarians. It's the white class and the, the, the blue collar guys too, right? You know, it, it's everyone. It, it, there's no distinctions. Everyone needs Jesus. And as you think about who you are right now, who your crowd is and who your crowd is not, they all need Jesus. They all need Jesus. And Paul says the gospel is for all people, for the blue and the white collar, for the college educated and the dropout. He goes on to say this, he says, he puts these two side by side, the the Greek and the barbarians, but he also says both to the wise and to the foolish. Some of us don't uh, think about this very often, but are there educated fools? Sure. He said, a lot of them. A lot of them. Now you're coming up with names right now, right? <laughs> Some have the same last name as you. Figure it out. You know, um, you're going to spend Thanksgiving with them and you're dreading it. You know, uh, um, there, are there educated fools? And are there non-educated wise? For sure. For sure. But I want, I want you to get this. He's, he's putting a net around all of humanity. And he's saying, who's the gospel for? Well, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. It, it, you know, um, sometimes we get this attitude in the gospel, whether it be with family members or coworkers or politicians or whatever, you, you, you kind of get this attitude and maybe you wouldn't say this, but you, in your heart, you're saying, well, go to hell. Go to hell. If you're going to act that way and you're going to be so stupid and you're going to talk the way you talk and live the way you live, go to hell. I don't care about you. Gospel's the only way, but you won't listen. I want to encourage you to, in your heart to look at both those who are wise and foolish, educated and non-educated. They all need Jesus. And they all, Jesus is the only way. That's that's important for you to remember. Those foolish people, man, it's a dangerous place for them. Because they need Jesus. We move on. Uh, Paul says in verse 15, he says this, So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. 
And, and as Paul thought about going to Rome, he goes, that's going to be so great. I'm so eager to go there. Can you imagine? It'll be like the 405 freeway on Friday afternoon. And I'll preach to all of them, right? I could just walk from car to car because they're not going anywhere, right? Because they're in the city and they're stuck there. And they got all kinds of dumb ideas. They got everything you can ever imagine. And I'm eager to go to Rome. Why? Because I'm eager to share with those Romans who have it all the message of Jesus Christ. The wise and the foolish, the Greeks and the barbarians, the Romans, the greatest city in the world, probably don't thinking, not thinking that anybody outside of Rome can teach them anything. Later, you're going to get the Jews and the Greeks again and uh, again. And guess what? It doesn't say it there, but I have to think it's true for the Tehachapians too, right? Those people in Tehachapi, those people who thought, I don't want any neighbors, so I'm going to move out of there. I'm going to go up to Tehachapi and I'm going to get space so I don't have to deal with people anymore. They need to know that the only thing they need is not land but it is Jesus. And so the gospel for all people, and Paul was eager to preach. He had, got, he had received the answer himself, and now he says, I am eager to preach the same answer that I've received. It's good for me, it's good for you, it's good for the city of Rome. Which brings us to verse 16. Gospel power for change. And I want you to get this so bad. It's just so important. Gospel power for change. Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I thought a lot about this this last month of just, you know, why would, why would he put that there? Of course he's not ashamed of the gospel. He wrote most of the New Testament, right? Uh, he's going to talk about in Romans all the greatness of the gospel. Why would he say, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Well, I started to think, um, how did those missionary journeys go for Paul? Uh, you know, uh, John MacArthur says that uh, when Paul came into a city, uh, he didn't check into the hotels. He checked into the jails to see what they were like, because that's where he was going to spend the night, right? <laughs> you think about that, and, and, and you think about uh, in times... Uh, we don't have an equivalent right here, right now, maybe, maybe not. But if you've ever gone on the uh, internet and you go on a particular website and they're, they're selling something and the website looks a little weird, it looks a little homegrown and it's, it goes on and on talking about how great it is without saying the price. It might have some uh, Chinese letters down at the bottom and and, you know, you know, you just feel nervous, like you're going, I don't know if this is legit. How many of you have bought stuff from those people before? I think I just did this last week, by the way. Uh, didn't tell you about that, babe. Sorry. Uh, but I got a great deal, you know. Uh, uh, but it, it's that equivalent. You're going, I don't know if this is legit. In older days, it would be the snake oil salesman, right? 
He would be that one who goes, hey, I got something, you know, for this much a bottle. This will cure all your ills. And, and you go, the guy's got to keep moving. Why? Because once he gets their money, they're, they're going to realize it's not going to work. And then he's going to have to go to the next town. And they knowing Paul goes from town to town and maybe his reputation of going, yeah, I, know, I heard about Paul, man. That guy goes to jail a lot. You know, I remember hearing him get beat up in that one town. They threw him out. Uh, well, what's the deal? Paul says, yeah, all that happens. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not changing my message. I know I have the right answer. It's been right for me. It's right for you. And it's right for Rome. It's the right message. Why is he so confident? He says, uh, after being ran out or laughed out of towns, he was maybe treated like those snake oil salesmen and with a fake Rolex and whatever else. He, was, he wanted to go to the greatest city in the world where they would probably look at that message. He could probably envision them looking at that message as foolish simplicity. Oh, it can't be that easy. What do I have to do? Every, every other thing I've tried, you got to do something. What do I got to do? What are the works that I got to do? What temple do I got to go to? How much money do I got to give? But Paul says, no, I'm not ashamed of this message that's different than all the other ones. This sophisticated city had it all, but he was sharing with them a gospel that was sufficient for him and for all of them as well. What, what, what was it? Why was it so great? It was the power of God. It was the power of God. And I want to tell you, your soul and my soul are so dead that there's no hope for them apart from the power of God working in you. You're lost without it. The power of God. The power of God for what? For salvation. How could you come to faith in Jesus? There's no way to do it. There's no way. You're a lost cause apart from the gospel, the power of God working in you. As Paul thought of his own dead soul, he rejoiced and clung to and was not ashamed of this gospel. Why? Because it was salvation for him and salvation to everyone who believes. Paul's going to reiterate this over and over in the book of Romans, but this, it's salvation for everyone who believes, who believes. If you do not believe the gospel, that powerful gospel, there is no salvation for you. None. You will die in your sins and experience the penalty of those sins forever. This gospel is not just one that you shouldn't be ashamed of. It's so important that he knew that he had to share it. The gospel that saves. We will continue to think through this as we go through our study, but um, how do we do this? It's through faith. It's through faith. If you look down at verse 17, 
Actually, let me finish up verse 16. He says it again to, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. And, and what he is talking about there is this. He's saying, well, for God's chosen, the Jews, you know, those special people, the Jews, and then for everybody else, all of mankind. He says it again, right? He's, he's reiterating this over and over again from the beginning of this book that this is a gospel for everyone. What does the Jew need to do? They need to put their faith and trust in Jesus. What does everybody else need to do? They need to put their faith and trust in Jesus. What other options do they have? None. None. This is the message for salvation for all. Verse 17, for, uh, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. One of the, the things that's going to, important words that we're going to come back to over and over again is righteousness, righteousness. And th- this idea is of righteousness is to be right, is to be living right, but not right in your own eyes. There's plenty of you and me here. We go, oh, I thought that I did a good job. I, I, you know, I feel right. I feel justified in and of myself. One of the things that's tough about parenting, Emmett, um, what's tough about parenting is most of the time uh, our parents have screwed us up, messed us up. They gave her a bad example. They, they, they tired out when they were disciplining me. Yeah, right, Dad? Um, and, uh, and, and when we get to be parents of our own, what, what do we say? Well, this is the way my parents did it, and I turned out okay. Look in the mirror, please, you know, uh, right? But how, how, we can be right amongst ourselves and in our families. We can, we can share this, yeah, you're good, I'm good, we're okay, everyone's fine, right? But righteousness, especially in the book of Romans, it's talking about being right before God. When you think about being right before God, standing before God on the basis of what you have done, the idea of looking back in the things that you have accomplished and the things that you, the motives and all that, and you just go, ugh, ugh. How can one be righteous? And I would even say this. How can one be righteous being wicked? How can one be righteous who is guilty? Through faith. It's through faith that this gospel is about handing over or attributing to one who is guilty the righteousness of God. The, the righteousness that he has, it's given to us. It's, it's placed on us. Why? Well, it's through the gospel. It's through what Jesus has done. What the gospel does, and this is a quote uh, at the end of verse 17, the righteous shall live by faith. This is from Habakkuk chapter 2. It's the New Testament way of cross-referencing, as it is written, right? Um, but as we look at this, how can we be righteous? How can we live by faith? I want to tell you, it's a work of God, that God would give us that which we do not deserve. He would make us righteous when we've been guilty and wicked. This is the message that we're going to go over and over as we study the book of 
Romans. A few things, three things as we close our time. I want to encourage you to remember this. Um, This is not old news. This is not old news. It's good news. It's not old news. It's good news. As you think about it, for, for the Roman church... It was new news. It was, it was hot off the presses, right? As, as Paul went from town to town, it was hot, new. It was a new message they'd never heard before. For us here today, uh, many of us have been part of the generations of faith, praise God. But it's not old news. It's good news. It's good news for every generation. For every generation. It's good news. So as we think about this, this is not just an old message. It's a good message for us to teach and to cling to for every generation. Secondly, it is a one-size good news message that fits all, all who put their faith in Jesus. You think about it, um, you know, you think about this with clothing, right? We don't all wear the same size. We don't all wear, I think shoes are probably the most interesting thing. Have you ever tried to wear somebody else's shoes? Even if they're the same size, they sometimes feel weird because they've worn them differently. And so we're always looking for something that is tailored to us. But I want to tell you, the gospel message is one size, fits all, and is good for all. If you'll believe, if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus. I'll tell you, if you want to know more about that, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to. It's the best message you'll ever hear. This is the gospel message, the message of Jesus. And lastly, I want to reiterate, the good news is that the, wick, the, good news is that the wicked can become righteous. The wicked can become righteous. Now, he can take every one of your sins, every one that you've done, the ones that nobody knows about other than you, he knows about. And he'll take them. He'll take them. He'll deal with them. He'll pay for them. He'll cleanse you. And he'll make you righteous when you're unrighteous. It's an amazing message. So I'd encourage you to come back in the weeks to come as we uh, look into this message, this message of the gospel. And really the, the wickedness of this world a world that we would um, try to clean up and seem like it's nicer. Uh, We're really going to dive into the wickedness of this world that we might know the goodness of the gospel. So let me close us in a word of prayer. Thank you, God, uh, for this time. Thank you for being and giving us this message through your servant Paul to the church at Rome, to the church at Tehachapi. God, we love it all. Uh, Help us to have the heart that Paul had and understand the gospel in a clear way, uh, God, realizing that uh, it is the, the great gospel, the gospel that saves sinners. God, I, I ask that you'd help us think clearly about that as well, that we would not be ashamed, but that we would uh, joyfully share it with those who need it. God, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.